Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, this is your boy, G-Ski Rocks. And this is going out to the lovely, lovely women of the world. I know sometimes you have to make a hard decision. But I want you to think about Just 
Pro-Life Fridays here on the Visible Conservative Radio Network, and I'm your host, Thomas, with my co-host, Letitia Wong, and hopefully our third partner in the triangle will be calling in at some point, but knowing her, she's doing really awesome things and helping out with cool stuff. I'm not entirely sure she's going to be available today. She said that earlier that she probably is on the road tonight, so not really sure she's going to make it into the broadcast, but we miss you anyway, and we wish you were here, and uh, we just love you and love that baby of yours. Yep, 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 and you need to get a new computer. Because it doesn't like us. <laughs> I don't know. I have. I'm your host today, and I have no buttons, so that's what it is. Yep. So I'm your host today, and I have buttons, so I'll be the one that's well, doing that, all the. It's good somebody go does. <laughs> well, go yep. ahead. You go push my buttons. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will now. Okay, we got jokes today. Anyway, we have a good show today. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. I record this day against you that I have set before you, life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life so that you and your seed might live. Patricia, you open up with prayer today. Sure. Heavenly Father, thank you for another opportunity, another day of life to be able to glorify you and to fight for what is important, which is the life that you have given us. Lord, in protecting those who are not able and speaking for those who are not able and representing those who are not able and fighting for those who are not able to speak for themselves and to stand up for themselves. Lord, you have given us a heavy burden on our hearts to be compassionate, to be loving, to love our fellow neighbor, and to love those who don't even have the chance to be born and those who are being manipulated and used in this world for other purposes, purposes from other people and not out of their freedom. Lord, we pray for those people. Let us help and make a difference um, in their lives and bless um, just the pro-life efforts of those who are seeking to free the slaves in this world today. I would pray with such gratitude for our guest today, Dr. Alveda King, we are so blessed to have her on the show. We pray that the discussion will be informative, educational, and a blessing to all of us and glorifying to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Interesting week of um, decisions by the Supreme Court justices, which... um, we won't get into that, but I know. Oh, sorry about that, folks. You heard a yawn on air. Um, 
petition. Talk about the fact that the pro-aborts are celebrating what this uh, liberal baby-killing female Democrat in Texas did by stopping that vote. Oh, yeah, you're talking about the Texas, is it a Senate bill, SB5, was it? Uh, yeah. What can I say? It, it, this is, this is, yeah, okay, I'm, what, how, this is how I'm going to deal with this. I'm not going, I'm going to first start about talking about something that, something else, and then smash it back into this, this issue, because I think the impact of what I, of what I think about that isn't going to be seen unless I talk about this other thing first. And like I had said, I, I'm, I'm saving this, but it, you persuaded me to make it uh, to talk about it first. And I was saving this for the dumbest thing or stupidest thing ever, but I think I can pull out another stupidest thing ever for later. This one that I'm going to talk about is that there's a story on cctv.com uh, that reports that scientists in Britain – Great Britain may be able to produce babies, artificially produce babies that are a union of three sets of genes. So they're able to manipulate the genetics of a fertilized egg or the egg before it's fertilized to put DNA from three separate people into one individual. Well, what are the repercussions of that? The repercussions of that is that gay couples, another yet another Supreme Court ruling, another big news that came out uh, in the news this week, gay couples, particularly men, gay men who are unable to have Children of their own. Oh, for whatever reason, I can't figure that out. Mm, I, you know, and I don't think they can either. Um, can have a child biologically made for them out of their own genes. So the the two men can have genetic partnership in this child and then be raised or gestated in a surrogate. Now, the interesting thing is, as it always has been, and we haven't gotten to this point yet, but we're, it's just a matter of time, is what happens when the right to marry and so-called the right to have a child by gay couples runs into, smack dab, into a woman's right to choose what to do with her body. If at some point in time this baby that is being carried by a woman becomes an inconvenience to this woman and she starts thinking about having an abortion, whose rights ultimately will win out in this? It will be a grand clash of ideals. Now, let's go back now. To the to the Texas case, where it is plainly argued, you know this is this is this is the doctrine of pro-abortion 
This is a doctrine of abortion support. This abortion is an ironclad, sacrosanct, and constitutionally protected, or so they say, right. It's in the 14th Amendment, or so they say. It is locked down far stronger than the right for a gay couple to have a child. But I'm taking wagers on that. I currently have a Facebook discussion with somebody who's willing to say it'll go the other way should it come down to a matter of law or matter of legal proceedings and court proceedings. Who's going to win that fight? My money is on the feminists and their pro-abortion stance because they have had 40 years of experience talking their way into the courtroom. So let's bring that back into Texas. And I, I don't know, I just I look at this as, as it's, it's another back and forth. You win some, you lose some, and we expect people who support abortion to say outrageous things. I, I, I don't know. What did you? What did you? What did you get out of that? Which part? Oh, pick one. Which part? Well. Well, what did you get no, out of the Texas defense of? Go ahead. Well, I'm going to say this because I'm going to go back to the part where uh, where uh, you was talking about the British doctors who were saying that they could um, <laughs> God. wow the DNA of three people. Let's see. Time to educate the uneducated masses out there. You have two sets of chromosomes. Male gives 13 sets of chromosomes. Female gives 13 sets. So you have 26. So well, they're, they're manipulating the genes. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You add a third set of chromosomes to the DNA because that's what you're doing when you add DNA. So what you get is not a baby. You get a mutation because the DNA contains genetic codes for heart, eyes, etc., etc., etc. So, what these supposedly educated doctors are not taking into consideration is that if you add a third set of chromosomes to the pair, you get a mute. You get a mutation. Well, they're not, not adding a third. Well, let me straighten that out. They're not adding a third yes, set of yes. chromosomes. They're just it's changing the DNA to reflect three people. The only, but Leticia, listen to me. I know a little bit about this. The only way you can do that, you have to add 
a third set of chromosomes. That's the only way you're going to add, change the DNA to reflect three people. Okay, that's, okay, here, let me, let me take the confusion out of this. There, your, your body actually has um, different locales in your cells for DNA. You have your, your 46 chromosomes located in your nucleus. Your mitochondria, however, your what? It's thirteen. It's thirteen pairs from. I'm each. sorry. I'm. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm so, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, you're right. So, um, in the world, we have a new cat in there. No, it's twenty three, six, three. I think I'm not right. Anyway, uh, let me let me get to the point. I'm trying to say before I I I forget. Your mitochondria also have a set of DNA. That that is by itself. It is unaffected by the nu- the DNA in your nucleus, because mitochondrial DNA is passed uh, from mother to child uh, intact. There is no there's no father's DNA that contributes to a child's mitochondrial DNA. It's all completely mother to child. So. Um, they're thinking to now the technology that is that they're that scientists are playing with it's not meant to form a baby for gay couples that's not what they're intending it for but the application people have noticed is already out there as an idea what these scientists were, are hoping to do is perhaps uh treat kind of proactively, before a child is even produced, treat proactively mitochondrial DNA disorders. So by replacing the mitochondrial DNA of an individual with somebody else's mitochondrial DNA, they're hoping to avoid some genetic disorders that are passed from mother to child exclusively through the mitochondrial DNA. So, but that story has been has been used as a as a way for gay couples to have a child with that child having DNA representative of both partners. Um, there's that's one the thing first. that Leticia, here's one problem. So they're not here's adding, one. you know, another set of chromosomes. They're changing one. Leticia. Leticia. Here's the problem that here's the problem that you have with that. To add a third set or to change the mitochond the mitochondrial DNA, they have to first possess the technology to go in and alter the mitochondrial DNA of the mother's egg before it's even united with the sperm. So this is what I'm saying. And and you're still, and this is what they're not taking into consideration. You're, you're treading in a territory that they, that they have Scientists have no clue about that. They don't know the outcome 
of what they're going to produce when it comes to manipulating DNA. That's why you don't do it. That's why we left the genetic DNA manipulation to God, because he knows the perfect order of things. And, you know, say something drastically go wrong, they start doing this, and then it becomes just another justifiable reason to kill a baby. Because, hey, not because the baby was born genetically defective, but because they went and they started messing around with the baby's DNA and they created something that was out of God's perfect order instead of leaving things alone. That's what I'm saying, whether it's adding uh, another 13 set of chromosomes or manipulating at the cell level. That is very dangerous. And you don't have, folks, you don't have to be a scientist to know this. You just have to have, have to have paid attention enough to the bio, biology lectures enough to know a little bit. And these people trying to play God, the same people who are advocating for DNA are also the same people through these means they call themselves trying to um, produce genetically superior species of people. And it's not going to happen because God is the one who creates us. The Bible says that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And pro-abortion supporters are wise to remember that before they go treading in territory that they don't want to tread in. You're already over the deep end with your absolute support of the slaughter of babies because they're inconvenient to you. But now you don't want to go down the road of genetic manipulation because you find yourself superior to other people and you think well, the, right. certain, hold on, hold on, certain, you think certain species and certain people with disabilities have no right to live. Go ahead, Leticia. Well, the consequences are the same. I'm not sure if the science works out to be where where we're manipulating genetics to the point where, you know, that which is being manipulated is no longer human. I believe that even if we, even if scientists do manipulate DNA, mitochondrial DNA, I mean, it doesn't seem like they're changing. And I believe it is 46 chromosomes, Thomas. I had to do this 23 and 23. It's 13. (laughs) No, it's 23. (laughs) You almost got me. You almost got me. You almost got me because I'm having a tired moment. But um, (laughs) um, there. I mean, regardless, we are we are manipulating DNA, and, and that which is manipulated will always be human. But I say I, I say though the risk for manipulating the genetics of a human being that will cause more harm than good that that is much more likely. So scientists want to cure disease. I actually think that's that's a that's a great thing to pursue. 
However, it is like playing the lottery at this point. You know, if you win the $323 million jackpot in the lottery, well, you know, good for you. But however, you can spend a lifetime buying lottery tickets and spend tens of thousands of dollars on lottery tickets throughout a lifetime and lose out on so much more if you never win. And, and the likelihood of you never winning is far greater than if you are than that you would win. So I think, I mean, I don't really, I don't really argue the whole let's not play God argument so much as look at what you're doing. I mean, we don't even have to talk about what the potential is for your attitude and how you're if you're taking on an attitude of God, I don't really care about your attitude. I care about what you're doing and the harm that scientists are are potentially going to to have on human beings. This is a lot like uh you I mean if I, I always ask when people attend my presentation on pro life, have you ever watched the movie Jurassic Park? And most of them have. And you know one of the memorable lines in Jurassic Park is you were so you were so uh you were so hellbent on stamping it, commercializing it and making it available for sale that you didn't stop to think what you were doing. In fact, so so the the point is you were so eager to do something because you could. You didn't stop to think whether you should. And I mean, the lesson of Jurassic Park is you could create dinosaurs that were that were never meant to live with human beings together in modern society, and you smash them to us together, and people get eaten. What did you think would happen? <laughs> so I, I really think that um, there there's no there's a lot of facets we could talk about with this story. The main point that I brought it up was um, when. When abortion is tested this way, I mean, this is going to be a future test for both the rights of gay couples and the rights of a woman to do what she wants with her body. And I know there's a sick part of me that says I'm just waiting for this to happen, but there's a very, very remorseful, sad part of me that says I don't want to see a human being, a child, become the occasion for such a legal battle. I mean, it's great right. we have these discussions as ideas, but when it comes to reality, some baby who was manipulated from the moment it was produced, created, whether in a lab or whether in a human body, doesn't matter. That person, that individual was never con- was never thought of as a, as a person. And that, you know, and, and, and will end up dead. And that right. is, is the sad, inhumane part of everything that we're speaking about right now. I mean, rights, these type of rights, gay rights, right to children, right to body, right to abortion, truly be damned. Because if somebody has to die in order for someone to live the way they want, I don't care about what you want because that is flatly inhumane. Right. Right. 
You're absolutely right. Well, let's take a break, and I am going to get our guest on the line. You are listening to Pro-Life Fridays with Leticia Wong, Melissa Palou, and Thomas Smith here on the Visible Conservative Radio Network. break down their natural modesty, separate them from their parents and their values, and become the sex expert in their life so they turn to us when we would give them a low-dose birth control pill they would get pregnant on or a defective condom. Our goal was three to five abortions from every girl between the ages of 13 and 18. The multitudes of people that have been hurt by abortion, it's just unfathomable. That abortion is really, to me, the ultimate exploitation of women. It is so shameful and secretive that many women don't tell anybody that they've had an abortion. They won't say anything for 20, 30, 40, 55 years. They're so traumatized. Silence. U.S. Senate report states, physicians, biologists, and other scientists agree that conception marks the beginning of the life of a human being, a being that is alive and is a member of the human species. There is an overwhelming agreement on this point in countless medical, biological, and scientific writings. Planned Parenthood is expanding now. They're building gigantic abortion clinics in anticipation of socialized medicine. There's a lot of money involved. We never would take personal checks. We always encourage the ladies to bring cash. Why is that? So, well, you don't have to report cash, friend. When you're fighting for your life, you need to know what you're fighting for. And if what you're fighting for is life, how do you destroy a life in an effort to fight that fight? I'm fighting so hard to save myself that I'll kill someone else. To get that. I recognized I'd been involved in the death of 35,000 babies. And the truth has really come out about what abortion does to women, let alone the unborn baby, our dead babies. It will be over. We are back live on Probably Life Fridays Radio. Uh, Thomas, hey, are you there? Yeah, being interrupted. <laughs> All right, if you have a question for our host today or you want to talk about the, the topic that we are talking about, the number to call in is 
760-542-3907. We uh, are hopefully our guest today, uh, we're trying to get on the line, uh, just give us a few minutes, is Dr. Alveda King, who is the niece of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., and she has been an outspoken leader in the pro-life community. Uh, she is currently working with Priests for Life, educating and um, lobbying uh, just people and also being a force out there in legislation uh, to seek pro-life legislation to, to push for the complete repeal of abortion, um, legal abortion in this country, either by legislation or overturning Roe v. Wade, and not only for abortion, but all pro-life issues. She has uh, been outspoken. She has been a powerful voice and very well-respected. Her her views are rock solid, and we I really respect all the work that she has done, um, especially as we talk about uh, the issue of black genocide in America and the problem with the, I think it's, it's the gagging of post-abortive women in this country. It almost seems like post-abortive women have, do have a gag over their mouths. They are not, they, people in the media, people in the liberal media especially do not want to hear from them. Uh, because they tell a story nobody that doesn't fit their narrative. You know, abortion is supposed to be the great women's liberator. And instead, it has produced the opposite effect for a great number of women who have aborted uh, once, maybe twice, or more times. It is holding many women in emotional and psychological and Sometimes lifestyle bondage, if they are suffering so badly, they may not be able to function as they would otherwise um, post-abortion. So, Thomas, where are we at with that, with getting Dr. Alvita King? We still haven't got a hold of it yet, but... um, You keep talking, and I'm going to try. I'm going to (laughs) try. I keep talking. Yes. All right. Would anybody like to hear some? (laughs) Would everybody like to hear a song? No, I will actually talk about other things. We this is um, a great opportunity to bring together the the Supreme Court decision on Prop Eight, and what does that have to do with pro life? And what does that have to do? because it's a marriage issue uh, about what's what's considered illegal and what's not illegal, what to what laws states can and cannot pass with regard to same-sex marriage. And let me tell you, though, though it seems on the surface like it's an issue that is aside from the pro-life issue, there is a very strong element of pro-life in it. And what do I mean by that? When we talk about marriage, and we talk about the potential for uh, homosexual couples to get married legally in this country, Um, what's the natural next question? 
not, oh, are they just going to be married? No. When we're talking about gay couples getting married or any couple getting married, what naturally falls after their marriage is a question of propagation. It is a question of children and producing children, having children, etc. And children being the most innocent among us is certainly a pro-life issue because so many children are dying from progressive leftist utopian ideas about who should live and who should die for the convenience of those already living and born. So now when we talk about how gay marriage is going to affect everything in society, gay marriage is going to affect the pro-life arena because there are many gay couples who want to have children. Now, it used to be that when a gay man wanted to have children, he married a woman and had children. Sounds biologically right. Because men and women, when they get together sexually, can have kids. Now we're talking about bio- circumventing our basic biology in order for a gay man and another uh, gay couple, excuse me, gay couple, man or woman, man or woman, to have children. Well, the problem with that up to this point, without the aid of technology, without the aid of a much expensive, life-destroying technology, the problem with that is that two men can't have children and two women can't have produced children alone. It's not because they're infertile, as an argument so goes, it's because one of them is the wrong sex. I'm not sure how that has escaped our public dialogue, but somehow that is the one statement that doesn't seem to be stated very often. And it's obvious one of them is the wrong sex. This is not about should they be married, shouldn't they be married, should they have a relationship, is homosexuality right or wrong, morals. We could talk about that, and I, it's not the subject I want to broach today. It's the subject of how many, well, let me get right down to it, how many people, how many children, how many potential young lives are going to be affected and affected negatively on this march to make homosexual relations the equivalent. I don't even want to say equal because they're not equal. If they're equal, they would be almost exactly the same, and they're not. Equivalent, biologically, physiologically, and morally equivalent to heterosexual relations, which let me tell you, if you want to make homosexuality, just on the face of it, just like heterosexuality, you have to also be willing to take on its sins. Because not every heterosexual relationship is a good one or is a right one or doesn't result in the exact same harm 
to innocent people as a heter- has a homosexual relationship. So let me tell you this. In the march to produce children for homosexual couples, how many little innocent ones are going to be manipulated and destroyed in order to achieve that end? We've talked about IVF, reproductive technologies, cloning, all all of that on this show before, specifically about how these are pro-life issues. And I mentioned before, the process it takes to produce a human being successfully from the conception stage, and that can be artificial too, artificial as well as natural, to the birth of a baby stage, that whole process involves the death of many individuals. Not just the unborn ones, but possibly the born ones, too. Right. Yes, Thomas. We have a problem. We do. Uh, Yes, we do. And I'm going to rip BTR a new one. We, um, I don't know what you saw when you um, saw your... um, your um the sorry fact about that, that folks. <laughs> well is your screen showing up white or how what does your screen look like? Uh because I have I have our switchboard. But you have I don't have our switchboard now. And I don't know what's going on with BTR. Experiencing some heavy technical difficulties. Let's go. Let's do this. I'm going to finish my thought, and we'll take a break, and we'll see if we can iron things out. Um, What I was going to say is the process that creates a human being on design, whether or not it's you know genetically designed, but by design, intentionally from a petri dish all the way to a surrogate, all the way to the birth of a baby. That process, often, reality of how this is achieved is that many individuals are created and then destroyed. How many babies are produced? How many, if they want to say this, fertilized eggs have to be produced in order for one of them to finally make it to the baby being born stage? A lot. Why do you think that parents, prospective parents, potential parents who are undergoing IVF have dozens of embryos stored in a freezer somewhere with their doctor, their fertility doctor? Why? Because doctors know the odds are most of those individuals, most of those embryos that are created are going to perish. They are created in volume because most of them will die. Doctors know this. You as the public ought to know this. They are created to die so so that in the chances are greater that one will live. 
and become a born baby. The potential for life being lost in this quest to have children artificially is 100% for some, for many, a good portion of those individuals that are created. They are created to die because every doctor knows these are the odds. So this is why the what comes of gay couples being legally married, which leads to them legally wanting to have children, is a pro-life issue. I'm not going to say anything today about whether gay couples can or should not be married. I said that already. I'm going to repeat it. That's not the subject for today. I want people to understand that this is a pro-life issue because it inevitably leads to the production of life. Tell me that gay couples don't think about having kids. Of course they do. Many of them have. They have had children via surrogates. And so you cannot tell me that this is not coming down the pike. Now, the clash between gay rights having gay, gay rights to have children and the woman's right to choose to have an abortion, it's coming. That clash is coming. It's a matter of time, but it makes me sad at the loss of life that will take place on the road to get there. But like I said, I'm taking wagers on who's going to win that fight because somebody's going to sue somebody. And it's going. I, I'm pretty sure it's going all the way up to the Supreme Court, and it is going to be a circus. I would hate to be a Supreme Court justice when that type of case hits the floor of the Supreme Court. Oh, goodness gracious. So let's take a break. If you have questions, please call in. The number is 760-542-3907 to talk to either myself, me, Letitia Wong, or Thomas. We'd love to take your call. And we will be back in a couple minutes. See you on the other side. Hands up open wide, put your hands up side by side. Age don't matter, like race don't matter, like place don't matter, like what's inside. Let the kick drum kick one time. Breathe out, let your mind unwind. Eyes on the ceiling, looking for the feeling. Wide open, let your own eyes shine. Yeah, it's where the fight begins.
Hello? Hello?
right. Welcome back to Pro-Life Friday's radio. Apparently, we're having all kinds of difficulties. Uh, the number that we called is not working. Apparently, it is not Dr. King's right number. I have no idea what happened there, and I also lost Thomas. So welcome back to the show. Now is the time if you want to call me and talk to me. The number to call is 760-542-3907. I'm sure we are trying very hard to get Dr. King back on the line, uh, but that wasn't her, so we're trying to get her on the line. Uh, and Thomas, are you back with me? Yeah, and I'm and I am ticked off. Oh, well, you know what? I was able to get to th- I was able to get through to the number that we were dialing, and it is not the right number. So you might want to double check that. <laughs> what number did you dial? Oh, I di- I dialed whatever that uh, six seven eight number was. That's her number. That is her number. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not her number. <laughs> but Tisha, Whoever answered it was not, was not Dr. King. Patricia, that's her number. Okay, well, you can keep trying. Keep trying the number that you have and see if you can get it. Um because I, whoever answered the phone for me uh, that last time was not her. <laughs> so I, you, you tried. Did they say? Okay. It was you the wrong know, number. Uh, it was it was the six seven eight 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 six seven eight eighty four. So it was not the right number. But let's get back to you. Can keep working on it. I highly encourage you to keep working on it. Um, get back to uh, let's get back to talking about uh, what happened in Texas. Uh, <laughs> I I don't I'm not surprised. Here here's the thing, the Blaze is reporting that um, that Texas Senator Wendy Davis secretly wore a catheter in order to filibuster the the bill, the SB five bill. So Thomas, is that is is that what you said that, that what you read? Earlier, I think I lost him again. Oh dear. Okay. Well, we'll just keep going. Oh, we have all kinds of wonderful problems today. Oh, okay. So, um, let let me share with you the story on the blaze. Is that the information comes from Joel Burns, who was a politician who succeeded Davis on the Fort Worth City Council after she moved on to the state senate. Um, in, it says, in the wake of the filibuster, he shared that Davis wore the catheter, uh, but that she dis- declined an IV drip, would have provided her liquids uh, in her body. Because when you are executing a filibuster, you are not allowed to eat or drink on the Senate floor. Um... I I don't know what to immediately think of her wearing an IV. I mean, wearing a catheter, I mean, other than, uh, well, that's pretty ingenious. I guess, you know, if if uh, fishermen can or hunters can go out and they can wear a catheter, they can go for days without having to use the bathroom, you know, and, and inconvenience themselves. Uh, in fact, there is something on golf yeah, that's being sold to golfers 
in particular, it's not a catheter, but uh, in her case, I think she needed to wear one because, you know, being a woman and all. I, I, on the one hand, yes, as as as, uh, as far as political tricks go, that is pretty genius. On the other, I don't think that's quite acceptable. I don't think it it would be quite acceptable on the house on the Senate floor. Um, if it is, I you know I don't know what the rules are. I guess it specifically says no eating or drinking. And but an IV drip is okay. Wearing a catheter is okay. I just simply think that wearing a catheter is a little as for, a form of cheating. When it comes to perhaps maybe this is not the right thing to do. If you need to filibuster something to death on the floor and you cannot do it uh, using your own voice alone, but you have to wear a catheter in order to prolong your filibustering, uh, uh, you know, it just kind of smacks a little bit of cheating to me. It, so I, I, I am very saddened by the fact that she is a woman and that she is a Democrat because I think all women are, should, are naturally want to, want to protect unborn babies. Say that somebody has to die in order for us to live our lives the way we want to. I think that abortion is the very opposite of female empowerment. I don't think it is a matter of rights. I think it is a matter of compassion. I think it is a matter of life. I think it is a matter of the right thing to do. And women should not be on the wrong side of this. Women should be for helping the little people, helping the little ones, because that's what fetus really means. It means little one. And if you're a Democrat and you say you're for the little guy, there are no littler guys on this earth than unborn babies in their mother's womb. So it is completely antithetical to the natural instincts of a woman to destroy the next generation. So I am profoundly disappointed in this Texas senator for being a woman. And if I may, she is a traitor to humanity. She is a traitor to humanity. I won't go so far as to say she's a traitor to her gender because that is the language of the left. Come on. I mean, that's just lobbing unfair insults because there is no such thing as a traitor to your gender. Uh, unless you have a sex change, then I would say maybe that's the case. You know, she decided to hack off her boobs and get a ch- uh, get a sex change and take all kinds of hormones and be a man or look like a man. Then maybe we could make that case. But she certainly is a traitor to humanity. One who advocates for the legal death of the unborn. This is the next generation we're talking about. This is inhumanity we're talking about. And women everywhere should be ashamed that such death merchants and death dealers would be elected to office and at any level to argue for the legal death of babies that are not yet born. 
and to proverbially kill the bill that would save children's lives. On my Facebook page throughout the week this week, I have found and posted several stories. First of all was the story of an autistic teenager who was brutally murdered by his own mother and caregiver for being autistic. We're not talking about little children. We're not talking about unborn children. We're not talking about old men and old women. We're not talking about, does it matter? Oh, does it even matter? Does it even matter? This teenage boy was murdered by his mother because to put him out of her misery, really, to put him out of her misery. And then she turned around and blamed it, blamed the fact that she had to kill him to end her misery on the lack of care, that lack of good care that she had received in the medical system. Now, did she have a legitimate complaint? Probably. She probably did. I will grant that. She probably had a very legitimate complaint. She was probably not treated well because children with disabilities in the medical community, medical community are often not treated well. Because even doctors, many doctors and caregivers, think that people with significant disabilities should just not exist. And if they do, they should be made to live very short lives for the sake of the rest of us. How inhumane is that? Well, anyway, she decided to take matters into her own hands. And she and her caregiver, first of all, tried to give him sleeping pills overdose him on sleeping pills, and when that didn't work, they tried to slash his wrists. Well, they did. They slit his wrists, and the story from LifeSite News says they slit their, that the autopsy said that they slit his wrist down to the bone, you know, to be sure. And finally, I apparently I don't know what, what prompted this final action, maybe because he was not dying fast enough. The mother herself stabbed this poor child in the chest six or seven times so that he would die. This is how you treat the disabled in this country? Those who can't function as well as you would like them to? Contrast that with the story that I posted yesterday. And if you're not following me on Facebook, you really should. Because I, I find the best stuff on the web for this. The story that I'm referring to is about a pro uh, surfer. And oh, what's his last name? Um, Izzy Israel. He's, he's known as Izzy. Izzy. In the 80s and the 90s, he was a huge phenomenon in, in I want to say wrestling. I don't know why I want to say wrestling. I mean surfing. He was huge. And he got married and had two children, and his son 
he was talking about his story, and his son was born and had a wonderful development up until a certain day he said he stopped talking. And that's when um, they finally took him to see why he was he was not responding, he was not talking, and um, he was diagnosed with autism. Now, his son has a, a significant level of autism today, but instead of giving up on his son and saying, oh, he cannot be functional in this life the way I would like him to be, he decided one day to take his son surfing. And lo and behold, his son, who has had had trouble connecting with his own father, was, as he said, completely into it. That boy loved surfing, and he shared surfing with his dad. And it was a way for father and son to bond and to have a relationship. And all they needed was a conduit. Surfing. Contrast the reaction of one parent with another. One stabbed her son to death, slit his wrist, made him swallow large amounts of sleeping pills. I'm not done yet. I'll be done in just a minute. And the other one, who was a pro pro surfer, found a way to communicate with his son on an emotional level. And now what he does is he operates a surfing camp specifically for autistic kids. So it's not just his child he's helping. He's rounded up several pro surfers to donate their time and take kids out who are autistic and surf a wave. And there are kids that don't like the water at first, but they get on that board, they stand them up, they surf with them, they come back, they're all smiles. The parents are ecstatic over this program. These kids, get to experience something. You know, how many of us can surf? I can't surf. I've never surfed in my life. I probably never will. But how awesome is it to find the conduit to help autistic kids just enjoy life? So the name of this name of this organization that he found, this camp, um, I think it's called, let me try to find the name. Sorry, I don't have it on the tip of my tongue. It's called Surfer's Healing. And they offer this surfing program, the surfing camp, to kids with autism for free. It says Surfer's Healing gives 3,000 kids a year in 22 camps around the country the opportunity to feel the same calm and joy. Isaiah, who is Izzy Israel's, his name is Israel, but we call him Izzy. He's called Izzy. 
His son's name is Isaiah. The same joy and calmness and connection uh, he felt just surfing a wave. Isn't that incredible? I find that completely, totally incredible. That on one hand, you can have a mother who supposedly women are supposed to be more compassionate and and caring and all that stuff. They say about women that I think is completely false now. Stabbing her son to death. Oh, I'm sure she was carving I love you, mom, on his chest as he lay dying. Versus a father and his mother seeking a way, finding a way to not only help their own autistic son, but to help the autistic children of so many other parents. This is why I say women like Texas Governor Davis are traitors to humanity. She is doing the opposite of what I think women, or what is said about women naturally do, which is have a little compassion for the unborn, for the weakest among us, those that have no voice those that can't function as well as the rest of us and need some help. Yes, Thomas. Okay. Great um, dialogue as usual. BTR crash <laughs> in the middle of us. And I'm not even sure what's going out or what even what went out, but um, and folks, we are sorry about the technical difficulties. Uh, this show will probably be deleted and rescheduled because of the fact that our our system was crashed. All right. And well, let's not delete the show. It is. We still do have a show. We may end it early. I don't want it deleted. But, but it's 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 a mess. We we need to redo it. And, we will redo it. And she said that we could reschedule it for tonight. Cancel this and reschedule or do something. But um, I don't like technical difficulties, and a lot of a lot of it has to do with. There, these are attacks on certain shows because um, she told me that it was system wide, not not all the shows though, but just certain shows that were attacked. So, um, yeah. So okay. that. Well, as far as I know, we are still recording and we are still on the air. So, I mean, I think we should preserve what we have, uh, but we'll, we can talk about that off air. Well, you go you go ahead and continue the show. I'm, go, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to figure out what's going on. Okay. Well, I will end because uh, we can end a little bit early since we don't have a guest today um, that we can bring on uh, with the stupidest thing ever. And it really doesn't have anything to do with pro-life, but I found something that was stupid. <laughs> and so I'm going to talk about it. Since 
Uh, we didn't have uh, material planned for this, but we always have material that we can draw on, always, that we can talk about that I would love to talk about. And I will find a way for it to make sense, pro-life-wise. Um, and that is, did you read the story? Are you there with me? <laughs> yes, I'm here. Did you read the story about Al Sharpton being really offended that the Tea Party and Tea Party people like Glenn Beck is saying that the Tea Party movement is this generation's civil rights movement? We are in the line of the Harriet Beecher Stowe's, Abraham Lincoln's, Frederick Douglass's. Booker T. Washington, Gandhi, Martin Luther King, Frederick Douglass, Martin Luther King, you know, we can go back and forth, all these great people, and here comes these people in the Tea Party. And I'm sorry, I'm in agreement with Glenn Beck on this point. I don't agree with him about everything, but I agree that those who are fighting for Americans to live free is no no different than the arguments and what what people like Harriet Beecher Stowe and Abraham Lincoln fought for, Frederick Douglass, for people to be free. And Al Sharpton, who twice decided to go to bat for two lying women who lied about being raped, and then he, he never recanted his support for them, for them their lies, um, comes out and says he's really offended at that. You know, he considers himself to be a civil rights leader. I don't know. He's never been my leader because I've always seen him as a charlatan. He says one thing, believes another, and tells different people different things because that's what they want him to, want him to say. If he were really a reverend who was a reverend of God, he would know that the lives of the unborn that are being slaughtered daily by the thousands is a holocaust of black proportions because most of those babies that are being slaughtered are black just like him. And for him to stand up and say that the worst thing that's happening in this country is that illegals are not getting to vote or people need ID when they go to the polls is wrong. Is trading away the real rights that we ought to have for these, I, I don't even know what to call them, uh, for, for these really hollow issues and hollow because if you don't have the right to live, you don't have the right to vote. You don't have a right to anything. You don't have the right to the air in your lungs if you don't have the right to life. So for Al Sharpton to be offended as if he has some stake in this himself, I don't know. He's got a sweet deal at, uh, over there at MSNBC. Is that, is that where he is on? Did they give him a show? Is that MSNBC that gave him a show? Yes, it is. For, he's got a sweet deal with MSNBC. 
he's got his donors and his supporters. I think he could go very quietly away into the night and be a very wealthy, rich man. That's what he is. He is wealthy. Right. So I, you know, I don't, I don't get where him ripping into how to a person like Glenn Beck serves any good because people are dying the black community is dying and I'm saying this because I'm not black and I see this and if I were to stand on the sidewalk and watch an entire community of people die and not say something because somehow I'm not experiencing the same thing that makes me guilty too So he can be really offended. doesn't make any sense. Why don't you get offended, Al, about the death of so many black Americans in this country? And then also get offended at how the Democrat Party is enslaving the black community in America again and again and again. It has never emancipated the slaves. It has just chosen a different strategy in which to enslave Americans. And not just black Americans, especially black Americans, but not just black Americans, but all Americans. Anybody who decides to fall into the trap that government is the solution to all your problems instead of seeing if the government is the source of most of your problems, has fallen into that slave trap. One of these days, be it in this world or the next, Al Sharpton is going to know the extent of his his, his influence, his words. I'm not going to say that he has no influence. I'm not going to say that he's irrelevant because he's not. MSNBC gave him a show for crying out loud. He's got to be worth something. $750,000 a year. Right. Well, he's going to find out the extent to which he has negatively affected people's lives over the years. He did nobody favors when he tried to prosecute white Americans on two false rape cases. Yep. He's going to find out, either in this world or the next, how much damage, how much harm he has caused to people. Yep. So, I, that you know, his butterfly can flap his wings. We're not going to know the damage until the good Lord comes and tells us everything. But he he ought to stay up at night and think about that. Anyway, that's the stupidest thing ever. For him to come out and say, I'm I'm so offended. You know what? How many people are so offended at you? You need to think about that. All right. I guess I could I could get off my little soapbox and call it a night. 
so that I can get back on next time and spare our audience. No, no, no. You have to say, this is the Pro-Life Fridays radio show, and this is what we talk about. Yes, it is. So tell me, Thomas, is there anything else that you'd like to ask or like to, to, to add to the show before we turn on the music? Yeah, I just want to read something real quick. Cherish Lily Periwinkle. Cherish was the product of a one-night stand. A, her father, a sailor aged 35 at the time, met her, her mother a 37-year-old 30, uh, exotic stripper. Neither of them were kids themselves at the time. The two fought for custody of the girl for the rest of her life. They traded accusations over how the girl got headlights and how she was dressed as well as money. In April 2010, a court-appointed evaluator recommended that Cherish lives with her, live with her father, who by that time had moved to California with his new wife. Periwinkle, the mother, had some troubling issues, the report noted, including eviction, a lack of money, and some admitted mental health issues that led to her making poor choices. The the evaluator wrote that he feared for the child's future living with the mother. Despite that recommendation, a Jacksonville judge ruled Cherish should live with her mother. The evaluator's judgment was apparently spot on. Enter one Donald James Smith. He's lucky I'm not around him because he would be one dead individual. The real-life monster Smith was charged with impersonating a state child welfare officer, and making an obscene call to a young girl in 2009, attended hearings for years and was eventually found guilty, but with time served, he was ordered to spend only a year in jail. In addition, Smith had been arrested 19 times since 1977. He had been found guilty on lewd and lascivious Charges, charges of trying to lure girls in a van, and charges of short pornography to minors. Smith was released May 31st, but was still being monitored by authority as a condition of parole. Officers even checked in on him the morning of June 21st in a home he shared with his mother. That same evening, Smith went to a dollar store offered to take Rain Periwinkle and her three beautiful little girls to Walmart to buy them McDonald's and buy a dress for her eight-year-old daughter, Cherry. Monsters like this stop their prey. They listen and calculate. He listened to the mother, Rain, as she explained that she could not afford a new dress. Rain is older, poor, and stressed. All mothers, however, regardless of the situation, want to please their children. So she graciously accepted the offer from her from the monster. Smith found his end, according to court records and police reports. Periwinkle didn't have a car. Police said Smith saw he need 
He seemed like he needed money, so he offered to buy the dress for Cherish, who was supposed to fly to California the next day to visit her father. And the family climbed into his van and The family climbed into his van and headed to Walmart. She was going to look good for her father. Surveillance video showed they spent a couple hours in the store and Smith then took Cherish with him to buy McDonald's for the family, but they never got the hamburger. Smith took Cherish outside, got into his van with her and left. Nine hours later, Cherish bought Cherish's body was found a few miles away near a church. Gerald Wickerson, the attorney for Cherish's father in a custody case, said his client is devastated. Giroux himself posted about the tra- tragedy on his Facebook page, blaming failures in the system for his daughter's death. I don't know the other details, but apparently the mother also allowed this monster to go into the dressing room twice with the little girl before he left with her. He also offered to buy the child some high heel. This is going to be a messy, sad story. I hope the younger two girls will be in better custody. Now, yeah. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. Gay laws, nudist, lasciviousness aside, if I ever come across something like that, the individual perpetrating the crime will not survive. And I'm dead serious. And to all you to all you predators out there who might be listening to this show, you can take that as a threat. And with that, Letitia, that's all I have to say. This just right. happened. Well seven days ago. This just happened. Right. Yeah, I remember that story last week. Um it, it was we don't have enough details about, you know, what was going through the mind of the mother who allowed the sexual predator to get this close to her children. Somebody she just met, total stranger, to allow that stranger to go off alone to suppose to Walmart. Uh, you know, I. Maybe this woman was on drugs. I have no idea. But no mother in her right mind would ever let a stranger come near her their, her children. None of them. So I don't know what happened to make it so easy for this man to kill this child and whatever else he did with her. But everybody needs to know. No. How should I begin this? 
if you do not believe in objective moral values, and I'm I'll be move into apologist mode because it's safer for everybody if I do. <laughs> if you do not believe in objective moral values, that there is a definite right and a definite wrong that exists outside of your opinion, then you cannot say what this man did was morally wrong. It may have been unpleasant, a tragedy for the family, certainly a tragedy for the little girl. But you couldn't, cannot say that anything moral was violated this, on this day. And that, my friend, is a total error in thinking. There is a right and there is a wrong. And it comes when it comes to looking at a little girl and asking yourself, should she be violated today? And if you can't answer that question in an objective way, your depravity is showing and you have no moral authority. You can't say that there's no objective moral values and then turn around and say, yeah, that was wrong. You can't. Right. So, America, if you think that morals are relative, there's no such thing as truth, and truth is only what you make it, then I dare you to take a picture of this man, this sex, sexual predator, put his picture on your wall, and stare at him every day, and ask yourself, would you let him into your house? Would you let him touch your children and if you can't say if you can if you can say no I would never allow such a man in my house and I would never allow him to touch any of my children uh, if you say that you know that there is such a thing as objective moral values you just won't admit it that's all I have to say about that Yep, and Leticia, you hit the nail on the head. And I'll add something to that. If you think truth is relative, you have no business making any, co any comments about the Trayvon Martin case. Boom! My goodness, I wasn't going to bring that up because it was just a whole bag of crap happening there. <laughs> Pardon my language. This is a whole bag of crap happening. Uh, but you're right. Yep, I know. But let's, let's end this show because um, we need to get Facebook fixed and hopefully I will hear from the guy building the network this weekend, and we'll be on our own platform soon. We'll be on the mean, mean network, so. Amen. <laughs> so we'll be off of Blog Talk Radio. You know, it'll take us a while to build up to where we have our own servers and stuff like that, but the difference is, is that people will be able to watch 
endlessly without the craziness of being happy because none of us don't like our view because that's what it is. What happens across the system, they, there are there is some there are some things within BTR system that they they attack conservative shows. I know this for a fact, so I'll just leave it at that. But um, having said all that, I apologize to listeners uh, with our technical difficulties and not being able to connect with uh, uh, Dr. King will figure that out, but sometimes it happens. So that's right. Well, we will we will still air next week. Come rain or shine, as long as our platform is up and running, we'll be on the air. So please join us next week on Pro Life Fridays Radio, wherever we happen to be. We'll see you then. Have a good night. Good night.
shell of what I 